Welcome to the Wisdom Calls channel, helping you understand the Bible better so you can have a better relationship with God and what your pastor never told you.com, helping you navigate the end times so you can stand firm until the return of Christ. Get ready. This is not your average Bible study. This is not for the faint of heart. If it's controversial and in the Bible, we'll talk about it. We are unashamedly, unabashedly, and unpredictably bringing out the truth in God's Word. And now, introducing your dynamic hostess with the mostest. She's an international speaker, author, and self-admitted nerd for the Word, Dana Crosby. Hey everybody, I'm Dana with the Wisdom Calls channel, helping you to understand the Bible better so that you can have a better relationship with God. Welcome to Bible study today. If you're new here, consider subscribing down below. We publish new content about three times a week, and right now we're in the middle of an exciting series called Prophecy, What's Next? Which book of the Bible is so mysterious and controversial that many pastors won't teach on it? And which book of the Bible contains and reveals important details about the end of the world as we know it? We're going to talk about that coming up next. Make sure to visit whatyourpastornevertoldyou.com. We're going to be talking about the all-important book of the Bible. And one of my favorite books of the Bible that I've been studying for over 20 years is the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation is an amazing book because what it is, is it's God's revelation to the Apostle John about things that would happen at the end, at the, at the end of this era as we know it. And so um, God kind of shows us how the end of things is going to be and the new beginning of things and how that's going to all transpire. So why is it that so many pastors avoid talking on the book and teaching about the book of Revelation? Well, I have a couple of ideas about that. First, I think that because the book of Revelation contains some symbology, oftentimes some people feel that it might be confusing and hard to understand. And I will agree that none of us is going to completely understand everything in the prophetic books. And some of these things may not only, they may not be understood until they are fulfilled. Let me give you an example of this from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were prophets that said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Also, it was prophesied that Jesus would be a Nazarene. Well, Nazareth is not the area where Bethlehem is. So those two things seem almost in contradiction to each other. Another scripture says, out of Egypt, I have called my son. And so how can we understand that the Messiah would be both born in Bethlehem, call, called a Nazarene, and also brought up from Egypt? These things we don't understand until their fulfillment. And so Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But then when Herod came in to try to kill the babies, just before this happened, God warned Joseph in a dream. And he had him take Jesus down to Egypt for a while until it was safe for him to come back home. When they came back home, they settled in the area called Nazareth. And so we see that um, through God's miraculous hand in coordinating everything, all of these three prophecies came to pass. And so it could be that as we're reading through Revelation, some of the things will make sense now and we'll be able to look ahead and see these things happening. But the Apostle Paul also tells us that in some things we see as though through a glass dimly or darkly, some translations say. And so there's some things that are a little bit cloudy and they won't become clear until the end. And so because of the potential confusion or the potential different interpretations, I think some 
Some teachers of the Bible avoid talking on the topic of Revelation, but that's really a shame because the book of Revelation was given to us. I mean, look at the name itself. It's called Revelation. God is trying to reveal something to us. It's not called the book of confusion. God's trying to explain something to us. And if he didn't want us to know, he wouldn't have given us this book. And so the book of Revelation is one of my favorite books. Another reason that I think some pastors avoid talking about the subject matter in the book of Revelation is because they perceive that it might be divisive. Okay, we have some people that might believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. rapture. We have some people that might believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. We have some people that might understand that the scriptures are pointing to a pre-wrath rapture. Some people are talking about a post-trib rapture. And so because of all of these different opinions, I think many pastors are afraid to talk about it because they don't want there to be division within their church and they don't want it to cause church split, church strife, all of these different things. But Jesus, our Lord and King, decided that he would give this revelation to us and he gave it to us for a reason so that we would have it so that we could study it so that we could know the things that are about to take place. So is it wise for us just to kind of skip over that and think, well, we don't really need to know it? I think if our Lord has given it to us and revealed it to us, that there must be some things in there that we really need to understand and we really need to have a grasp of. And so I think it's best that we not avoid that topic, even though it might mean that you or I might have a difference of opinion about the interpretation of some of the chronology of the events that are there. So we need to remember as brothers and sisters in Christ that we agree on the fundamentals. We agree that all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We agree that apart from Jesus Christ, no one can come to the Father, that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. We agree that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for our sins and that he rose again on the third day. And when we are hidden in him, that we will also rise again, that we have died to our sins and that we are new in Christ. And so let us focus on and remember with love, the fact that we agree on the most important things of Scripture. But I think that together we should study these things and try to see what does the Scripture say. And when we get confused with Scripture passages, as I have said before in my Bible tips, um, my Bible tips video that I made for you guys on how to study the Bible like a pro, one of the things that I encourage you to do is not only to read the scripture passages in context, but also to compare relative verses, verses that are are, um, comparable to each other. Let's compare those things and so that we can get more details. Because we will see, as my friend Paul Dorgan has often said, that the pieces of, that the Bible fits together like pieces of a puzzle. And we really look at the Bible and we read it in the most literal way possible. That doesn't mean that every portion of the scripture is meant literally because there are some figurative passages, but those are intended figuratively. And you should usually be able to tell the difference with that. And so we're going to come to the book of Revelation. We're going to let the book of Revelation speak to us. And we're going to encourage all of you and myself included that when we come to the text, even though we often come with preconceived notions and preconceived ideas, that we are going to be willing to submit those things to what the Lord has to say. And so if we, and so if we come to a portion of scripture together where, where we see that what we're hearing or reading in the word of God seems different than a preconceived notion that we have, we have to be willing to surrender our ideas and listen to what the Father has to say. 
And so I really want to encourage you in that vein. So let's go ahead and pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to study the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the only book in the Bible where you have promised a blessing to those people who read it and who read it aloud, Lord God. And so I thank you in advance for that. I pray that the blessing would go forth, Father God, and that you would continue to reveal yourself to us through this book that you called Revelation. You didn't call it confusion. You called it a revelation that we are being, things are being revealed. That veil is being taken away so that we can see. And I thank you, Lord, that in your word, you promise that if we seek wisdom, that you give abundantly without finding reproach, without finding fault, without having reproach for us, Lord God. And so, Lord, we just ask for wisdom as we seek into these matters, Lord God, and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and dive right into Revelation chapter 1. So please read with me in your Bibles. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. A little history for you here. John is actually kind of being imprisoned on an island in the island of Patmos. And so he is there to kind of keep him from spreading the gospel in other places, to, to keep him contained. He's in the island of Patmos. And while he is spending time on this island, because that's where he's been sentenced to, to stay, the Lord Jesus gives him a vision. So we're going to see what that is next. Chapter 1, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. We see here from the scriptures that Jesus is the one revealing this, and he is revealing it for the purpose of the servants understanding what must soon take place. So he isn't revealing it to us to confuse us, but he's revealing it to us so that we can have understanding. And let's keep that in mind as we read the scriptures. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, that the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now here it says that he sent an angel to speak to John. And the word angel in the Greek is actually the same word as messenger. So he sent a messenger to speak to John, presumably a heavenly messenger. We'll see other places in the scriptures where the word is translated as angel. And maybe perhaps it could be just better translated as messenger. So we're going to read about that coming up. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So we see here that both the person reading aloud this book of Revelation and the one who hears it receive a blessing. This should be reason enough for pastors to get over the fear. And I understand the fear because we're afraid of preaching or teaching something that might be incorrect. But my goal and my aim here today is just to bring the word of God to you and for you to be able to let the word of God speak to you. Because I don't want you to be conformed to the opinions of man, even my opinions. I don't want you to be conformed to those, but I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the water of the word. Okay. And so, um, just like my friend Paul Dorgan says, don't be convinced of what I have to say, but be convinced of what the script of what the scriptures have to say. So let's do our best to let the scriptures speak for themselves and let's have understanding into what God has to say. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. See here, John is writing letters 
to seven of the main churches throughout Asia, which Asia is not like what we think of as Asia today. This would have been in the area similar to Turkey. So north of the Middle East is considered Asia. And he's writing them letters, and they're letters that are inspired by Jesus himself. And we'll see what they say here. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. So we see here is talking about the one who is, who was, and who is to come, which I believe here is speaking of the, the Father, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him, and so it shall be. Amen. We see in this passage that he says, look, he is coming on the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. So when Jesus returns, he's going to come back on the clouds. And we have seen this throughout the Gospels. When Jesus went up into heaven, the disciples were staring up into heaven, looking up, and the angels said, why are you staring up into heaven? And they said, in the same way, Jesus will return to earth. So we see that when Jesus returns, he will come on the clouds, and we see in other scriptures that it will be with power and with great glory. So when Jesus returns, his second coming, it will not be quietly, and it will not be secretly. It will be coming on the clouds, and it will be where every eye will see him and every ear will hear him. And the reason that I make a point of this is because some some have been teaching that when Jesus comes back in the clouds and he raptures his church, that it will be done in some secret manner so that nobody else will know what's going on and that his real return will somehow come at some later time. But we see throughout the scriptures, and if you haven't watched our video yet on Matthew 24, I highly encourage that you watch that, and I'll put a link to that up there for you guys so that you can go ahead and click and watch that. We see that the rapture of the church is linked to the return of Christ. They're inseparable. They are connected. They go together. And the return of Christ will come with power and boldness and great glory. And that's what the return of Christ will be. And it will be like lightning coming from one end of the heavens to the other. It will be visible to all. And that's what the return of Christ will be. And that is also synonymous with the day of the Lord. And we did an extensive study. Um, we did an extensive study on the sign of the return of Christ, which we're going to see again in Revelation here. But if you haven't watched that video yet, that video series is called Celestial Darkening. And you'll make sure you'll want to make sure to watch that video. You won't want to miss out on that video because that video really highlights from the Old Testament how the sign that Jesus said would happen before his return is also the same sign that the Old Testament prophets said would happen at the day of the Lord. So we see that the events of the day of the Lord is synonymous with his second coming. And it is also synonymous with the rapture. So the day of the Lord will happen where Jesus will come down on the clouds. Every eye will see him. We will be raptured up to be with him. 
and he will pour out his fury, his wrath upon the earth. And we're going to see that in even more detail in the book of Revelation. But don't take my word for it. Let's compare the scriptures and see if you agree that they speak for themselves and confirm for themselves and they work in perfect harmony together like the pieces of a puzzle. So let's check out what happens here. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and the kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So here he's saying that he is a brother to us, not only in the faith, but he's saying a brother and a companion in the suffering and in the kingdom and in the patient endurance that are ours in Christ Jesus. So I want to highlight this because John was suffering, and he's saying he was a companion in the suffering. He's saying that these other churches were also suffering persecution because of their faith in Christ. And Jesus told us in Matthew 24 that all nations would hate us because of our love for God, because of us standing for the testimony of Jesus, that we would be reviled, that we would be persecuted. And Jesus even said, blessed are you when they persecute you, when they revile you, when they hate you. So he warned us about these things in advance. And we see that John is also a partaker in that suffering. In the Western church, we sometimes have this message preached to us that somehow, because we're believers in Jesus, that we're never going to have any persecution, we're never going to have any trials, and we're never going to have any troubles. And if you missed my video on Our Christians Called to Suffer, I encourage you guys to watch that video, and I'll put a link to that one as well for you guys where you can see that. But once again here, we see from the Apostle John that it was commonplace for those who followed after Christ and who were living for Christ that persecution was a natural part of that. That was a normal, natural part of that. And I will highlight to you that in Jesus' ministry, it wasn't all throughout his ministry that he faced persecution. But there was a certain season in his ministry that that persecution came. And so it may be the same with us that it's not until the time that is appointed to us, just as the time appointed to Christ, um, before that time, the Pharisees, though they tried to take hold of him, they were unable to because it wasn't his appointed time yet. And in the same way for us, we may be experiencing a season of favor in our lives, which is fantastic. If you read the book of Job, you'll see that he was more righteous than any person on earth at that time. And God bragged about him to Satan. And in general, Job's life was very, very blessed. But there was a season a short season in where under which he endured great suffering, great trials, um, great affliction. But in the end, he received a double portion of blessing. And likewise, it may be that with us as well, that we may be in a season of blessing. And the blessing may be from the Lord, for the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so I'm not opposed to praying for blessing from God. But to assume that when we live in Christ means that we'll never have any hardship is just not biblical. And so that's what we're going through here. And I really want to help to open the eyes, especially for Christians like I am here in the Western Church, that we do not fall prey to this strain of deception. Because if we are tempted to believe this false 
gospel, that once we are in Christ, we're never going to face hardships or trials, then there's a rude awakening that's going to be happening because Jesus promised that those things will happen. And the book of Revelation, as we will see, also predicts that those things will happen. And our question has to be is, do we believe God's word? Do we believe what Jesus had to say or don't we? Or do we want to invent our own gospel and our own version of Jesus that doesn't line up with scripture? You know, Jesus warned us that in the last days, there would be many who come in my name, right? And they're going to deceive many. And so there are many who come claiming to be Christians, but they're presenting a false gospel. They're using the name Jesus, but the Jesus that they represent isn't the Jesus of the Bible, and I've been finding, friends, that more and more I've been seeing that people are Christians, but they don't understand what the Bible has to say. And I've been seeing all kinds of deception coming online. And what happens is, is that the people are believing a lie. And they're just saying, amen, amen to these things that are absolutely not true. But how can you recognize the counterfeit unless you first know the genuine? And so what I really want to encourage you to do is if you haven't watched my video on the counterfeit versus the genuine, I'll provide a link for that for you guys. But that's why it's so important in these last days that we know the truth. Because the counterfeits, not only are they coming, but many of them are already here. And you want to make sure that you're not deceived in the last days. Let's continue on. Verse 10. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And remember this description of Jesus, because I believe we're going to come upon it again later on in the scriptures. So remember this description, that he had the hair white as snow, his eyes like a blazing fire, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his, eye, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held the seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. So this is a glorious and fearsome image that we have here. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, and he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. The living. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and hold the keys to death and Hades. So who is this referring to? Well, it gives us understanding right here, because not only does he equate himself to God, because he says, I am the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, okay, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He also says, I am the living one, I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. So this plainly tells us that Jesus is both God and he is 
the one who suffered on earth for us. And it said earlier in the description that he was as though the son of man. And so he looked human in his appearance, but then also glorious and like God in his appearance at the same time, God and man simultaneously. Write therefore what you have seen and what is now and what will take place later. So see here, Jesus says, write what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars you saw in my hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now, this passage again says angels, which in the Greek would be the word messenger. So it could be literally taught, he could be literally talking about angels in charge of those seven churches, or he could be talking about messengers, which I have heard some pastors say they believe this is in reference to the pastors of those churches, the messengers of those seven churches. Either way, we understand the original language to say it's the messenger of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So these seven lampstands, these beacons of light, are represented by these seven churches in Asia to which these letters are written. One thing I want you to notice throughout the book of Revelation is that when there is symbology used, as in this case, it is often interpreted right after that. So we don't have to guess as to what is symbolic and to what the symbology means. We don't have to try to figure it out. It's laid right out here for us. I so want to thank you guys so much for joining me in Bible study today, especially with one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Revelation. I think that in this season, in this time, this is a book that we need to be studying over. We need to be pouring over so that we are prepared and expecting our Lord's return, but we know what has to transpire before that happens. If you haven't yet, consider subscribing down below. And I just want to thank you so much for being a part of our Bible prophecy series. Don't forget to watch our second video where we're going to cover Revelation chapter 2, where Jesus is writing, is writing letters to the churches um, in Asia. Until next time, this is Dana with the Wisdom Calls channel, helping you to understand the Bible better so that you can have a better relationship with God. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to the Wisdom Calls podcast. For more exclusive content, visit whatyourpastornevertoldyou.com. Sign up for emails and get updates. Also, there you'll find our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channels. Thanks for listening and join us next time.